And now on this episode of Miami Miked Up, I welcome in a guy who's really been the most dependable and consistent pitcher, I would say, on this Marlins staff. And I think that's saying something considering how many great performances there have been this season. We welcome in Braxton Garrett. Brax, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Um, first time, I think, that, that you're here as a guest. And before we dive into all of the baseball stuff and everything that your season and your career has been, I got to ask you, what's something recently outside of work off the field that's brought you joy yeah well first of all thanks for having me on yeah i'm excited to be on um outside of the field man you know last night first off day we've had in 16 days i think it was i had dinner my girlfriend jesus his girlfriend fran and nick fortes his girlfriend Allie. oh how nice is that we went to carbone last night and it was amazing first time i've been there and we we chowed down yeah i can imagine that sounds great how how nice is it to be able to have those types of moments off the field with your teammates and and not just off the field like on a flight right because so much of what you guys do is you're together every day but you don't really get to have these types of bonding moments all the time i would imagine right yeah it's a ton of fun we we do it as much as we can you know it's harder when we're at home a lot of the guys have families um and kids and you know us younger guys when we're at home we try here and there when we're at home but a lot of the times it's away you know when we're on the road you know and we just get together for dinner you know dinner we'll have a few drinks you know get together and talk about something other than baseball for once so yeah we enjoy it what's the normal stuff that comes up in a conversation if it's if it's you jesus and fortez and i imagine the the three of you Mm -hmm. are pretty good friends off the field at this point and maybe if there's anybody else that's involved in that mix but what do those conversations look like or what are you guys chatting about it at dinner at carbone on a on a what thursday night yeah so i most of the time when it's just me nick and Jesus, we talk a lot of golf. Okay. Um, we're Jesus is the best out of us three. Um, really? Yeah. Okay, because I had him on here probably a month ago when we were talking about it, and he was he, it, golf was felt relatively new, but that he was good at it. Yeah, he's pretty good. He he uh, lives on a golf course, so has had a ton of uh, time to kids. play, and that's right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I started in 2021, right after or kind of when right after COVID started to calm down a little yeah. bit. Um, so yeah, I've gotten really into it. I enjoy it a lot. That's awesome. Golf, I think, could be a really great way for for ball players in particular, and specifically pitchers too. Right. Where you don't have to worry about messing up the swing. Right. Uh, but a nice way to keep those competitive juices flowing with your friends without it being baseball specifically. But let's dive into to your season, your career, because obviously, you know, this is the best season of your career. You've you've doubled your in, you know career high in innings essentially. You've really, I, I feel like, controlled the game a lot of the time that you're out on the mound. You seem to have a great control of the game. So, what would you say was sort of the biggest factor for you coming into this season, where you're looking at it and going, okay, here's another chance for me to establish myself as a not just I'm in the rotation guy. I'm a plus major league starter. Yeah, you know, I came into the year really confident. You know, I ended the year really well. Probably up to that point last year was probably the best I'd ever pitched. Um, So, yeah, I came into the year with a ton of confidence, and the game towards the end of the year last year started to slow down. And I think, as you said, I've how I've been able to control the game, no matter what the situation is, good or bad, um, I feel the game has really, really slowed down for me. And, you know, like – like, for example, the other night, first and second, no outs. Or, or sorry, second and third with no outs. Yeah. You know, Alonzo, Lindor coming up. You know, times in the past, that's like, oh, man, like, what do we do here? You know, and, you know, I say that, and that thought doesn't even ever cross your mind on your field. That's that's how it is now. It's what do we do now? 
Right. Um, how do we get this guy out? We're just going to assume a run scores here. What's the best we can do? And that's kind of that's what I've done best, I feel like. Been able to kind of control my thoughts, my breathing, and, and get through things like that. That's so interesting to me for a number of different reasons. One, going back to, to Jesus and the conversation we had where – for him, it's sort of the same thing. It's about being aggressive around the zone, but it's also kind of controlling your emotions when you're out there on the mound. And and for you in particular, I would imagine that what your last couple of years with this squad have been probably helped prepare you for that. You've been someone who's been up and down between the big leagues and AAA. You've been out of the bullpen in an actual bullpen role, out of the bullpen in a swing role, a spot starter. You, you've kind of done everything on the mound. How do you think that that, you know, for some people who aren't maybe as mentally tough, th- that could be something that could be very difficult. Um, and I imagine that there was some difficulty in switching between all these different roles. But for you, it seems to be something that's only made you stronger as a starter. How has it helped you? Yeah, it's just, I, I don't even know if I've really thought about it that much. You know, all the moving around, you know, going up and down, that was tough. And to be honest, looking back, I, I understand it. I mean, I, I struggled a bit. And I there was times, especially in 2021, where... I didn't know what was going on in my delivery, you know, from point A to point B. So I went through a lot of struggles. Um, and then I had a really good offseason going into 2022. I made a little arm arm angle adjustment and kind of ran with it. And the help I've gotten from Mel has been incredible. He's really taught me how to pitch with my stuff. Mm. And that's another thing, you know, the stuff that I have is a lot different than most guys nowadays. And to be honest, it took me a while to gain confidence in that kind in my stuff, really? you know, and really trusting my stuff in the zone when it's just such a stuff league, yeah. you know. There's a lot of guys that can just set up middle and throw their stuff and and they can get out. So that's not me. And I've done me and Mel have done a really good job of learning how to use my stuff. I'm all right. So I'm fascinated by that because I'm a pitching dork. Like I I love pitching. I. Uh, and someone who in high school, if you asked me, I was like, Greg Maddox. I love Greg Maddox, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the guy who I model my game after. Because yep. it's you want to mix it up and down, in and out, and and really be able to control things with your stuff. But you're someone who's a, who's a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. You're a big lefty thrown in the 90s. In high school, your stuff is overpowering everybody. Right. So you get to the pros, and you have to, for the first time, accept, oh, wait a second. My stuff alone isn't necessarily good enough to get these guys out in comparison to some of these other guys who can just go up there and right. throw. When you hit that wall, what is the mental hurdle that you then have to overcome to say, oh man, I really need to learn how to be a textbook pitcher because that's the only way I'm going to succeed at this level? Yeah. Um, like you said, you kind of hit that point to where your stuff alone doesn't get it done. And you know, for me, I was a high school pick, as you said, and I never struggled, right. you know, I, I and pitching wise, you know, setting a hitter up, all that was never a thought, you know, I, I knew how to pitch backwards. I knew, you know, to throw a curveball and a fastball count was sure. good, you know, other than that, but other than that, I didn't pitch. And then I got to that point And like I said, I give so much credit to Mel, like in bullpen sessions. I think one thing that really hit home for me was how to manage my misses. Um, like I well, said, yeah. Explain explain that to the the layman who doesn't know what that means. Yeah. So, so with me, I just can't I can't be a guy who's wild in the zone. I can't miss over the plate when I'm trying to go inside. So if I'm trying to throw a four seam up and in, 
there's a it's different with hitters some of that space in the zone is bigger some of it's smaller but I want to hit that zone or I want to hit just outside of the zone just up or just in because going forward after that I can do something with that pitch it's not uncompetitive because it's a ball it's a competitive pitch because I took his eyes there or I took him there and then I can do something else under it away from it or go right back to it but that's such a tremendous approach and that's something that I think so many young pitchers struggle with because and I've lamented lamented this may be strong but I've talked about this oftentimes on this show with other pitchers is like showcase baseball changed that for a lot of you guys where yeah. it was hey go out there and throw as hard as you can for two innings and we're just going to clock the gun and we're going to see what your RPM is on your slider right. and that's really all we care about so now you get to the bigs and it's hey go Go throw six, seven innings. Go set up hitters for at-bats later in the game. So as you're someone who has grown as a pitcher like that, how much has your demeanor helped you? Because you seem like somebody who's pretty calm, cool, collected. There's fieriness if you need to have it. Mm -hmm. But you seem to be someone who has pretty good control of your emotions. Is that how you would describe yourself? And if so, how has that helped you as a pitcher when you've you've gone through some of those struggles and needed to learn, hey, here's how I pitch? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I try I try my best to to be as calm and collected on the mound as I can. Um I, I was I was saying to my dad the other day, um I like to pitch with a little bit more fire. I like to be a little more pissed off when I pitch. I yeah. think that that helps me. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't completely change my demeanor. It's kind of just keeping the same look on my face, being serious. You know, if I get a three up, three down inning, I'm not coming in and changing my demeanor because I had a good inning. Sure. So I, I just I just run with a never too high, never too low at all times. Um, so yeah, so when a when a leadoff doubles hit, it's the same thing. I, I know what to do here. I know how to get this guy. So yeah, it's something I really uh, I think about a lot. I think it's important for my game. How much do you guys as a group sort of talk pitching like that, right? Because this is a staff that's now been together for a few years between you and Jesus and Sandy and you know a, a number of different pitchers in this organization. How often are you talking about those things on the mental side, or are these more the one-on-one -on -one conversations that you're having with Mel? Yeah, well, I'd say most of the time it's in the dugout, you know, during the game. If, you know, me, me and Jesus will be talking, watching Sandy pitch, you're like, maybe he did this there where we thought he could have done this. Or Jesus pitched against Milwaukee the other day in Milwaukee, and I was pitching a couple of days later. So I asked him about Contreras specifically. I asked him about a couple of guys like, hey, what was you guys' scouting report going in? Yeah. Just so I can know when I scout, when I scout them, how does it differ or how is it the same? So kind of things like that. With this season, you guys have been so competitive. You get to the trade deadline, and there's acquisitions made. It's it's Josh Bell, it's Jake Berger, and these guys have come in, and they've mashed. Mm -hmm. can, can you explain to me sort of as someone who's been in the organization for, God, as long as anybody on this team, right, what the emotions were like when it was, hey, man, we're buyers at the deadline, and we're really going after this thing. Yeah, we were pumped for sure, and – you know, we can't control that. It's it's not something that we like to think about too much, especially before trades are happened, but or have happened, but once we get Jake and Josh, you know, it's freaking awesome and it's 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 one of those things sometimes a change of scenery can kind of just light a guy up yeah, and it, and it and it's done it's done so for both of them. They're both awesome teammates as well. 
Um, they work incredibly hard, and I I feel like I've known them the whole season now. They've only been here, you know, since the break. So. They do seem like those types of guys, those types of personalities that, that yeah. really blend in so seamlessly, and, and they've had a great time with this group. You know, I mentioned that you've been here for, for a number of years. What's the biggest thing that you've noticed in terms of sort of an organizational shift in culture from like day one where you showed up as a, as a first round pick to where we stand now in September of 2023. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the staff has changed a good amount. Sure. Uh, of course, since 2016, you know, the ownership change, I, I'd say when the ownership change, you know, I know Jeter's not here anymore, but when he came in, they kind of brought the Yankee mentality. Um, and we kind of went with that for a long time. And, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I, it's hard to put a put my finger on one thing specifically, but you know, with Skip coming in, um, to be specific, he, yeah. what he does so well, he just relates really well with us. He's a younger guy who, who also will let you know when you're wrong, and he'll tell you when when you messed up. Um, but there's such good communication there. There's there's never a question of why why I'm sitting or why I was taken out or you know anything like that. I think he's a great communicator, and he he has a good balance of you know doing everything a manager needs to do he does seem to be that nice mix between like quote-unquote players coach and also fiery enough to kind right. of get in your face if you need it right. um and and hearing that from everybody throughout the season it, it it seems to be something that's worked specifically with this group um let's let's go to your next start it looks like you're projected to face the Mets again. Mm-hmm. Um, you just come off a great start against them we're talking about all these different things that you have to do as a pitcher to set guys up now you got to do it all over again in your next start. Talk to me about facing a team two times in the span of a week. And, you know, you don't have to give away the game plan, mm-hmm. but essentially what are the type of, of mental and physical adjustments that you're you're making when you know, hey, we're down here, we need everyone we can get, and I'm facing this this lineup for the second time in the span of about a week? Yeah, I, one thing about it that is good that I like is I don't have to scout them too much. Yeah. I'm going into it, you know, just to save a little bit of time. Um but other than that, you know, I'll just watch our game and try and figure out, you know, see how I got him out and try and figure out if there's other ways to get him out. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, with really good hitters, there's not a ton of ways and there's not a ton of places to go. Um, but it's all about competing for me, competing, getting in good counts, and, and again, just manage my misses. And whether I'm facing a team twice in a week um, – it doesn't really matter. Uh, most of the stuff is going to stay the same, and the feel of the game kind of dictates what's going to happen. All right, one more question before I do just like a couple of rapid-fire get-to-know-you things. Um, you've been here now for all these years. You've watched sort of the up-and-downs. You see the team make the, the 2020 playoffs, which in the shortened season, um, you experience everything that the last couple of years are, both personally and for the team. Now you guys are here. You got, at the time of this conversation, nine to go, and you control your own destiny. What would the emotions be like if you guys are able to get to the postseason? And obviously, that's not finished business, but 162-game marathon. To be able to get there, what what would those emotions be like for you and the rest of this club? Yeah, it, it would just be so incredible. You know, I, I know for me, I, I've been here since, like I said, 2016, and we just haven't quite gotten to this point ever. And... I'm just proud that I've got to be a part of it. Um, I know how much all these guys have worked. There's been so many, you know, little injuries. Guys are playing through a ton of stuff. You know, guys have had to go down. You know, we've missed a ton of huge pieces in our lineup, but we've still been incredibly resilient. 
Um, our close game record is incredible, and that just just describes our team perfectly. Yep. Um, so I just know how much it would mean to so many of us, especially guys who have been here for a while, and and also just the feat itself. You know, 162 games. We've been one of the best teams in the big leagues, and all the hard work, you know, finally, finally gets to pay off. That would be uh, it'd be special for everybody who's been watching this season because it's been a joy to watch. Um, but let's let's get a couple of just quick questions in before I let you go. Um, more of a TV or music guy? TV or music? Um, probably music. Okay. Who can can I get three favorite artists? Okay, Chris Stapleton. Um, I'll say Drake is my favorite R&B rap artist, and we'll just go Morgan Wallen. Okay, cool. All right, so th- you got those three. Do you have a favorite childhood movie? The Sandlot. Sandlot. Yeah, oh, yeah that's the best. The yeah, it's easy for me. I love, love, love that movie. Were you were you someone who was also watching all the other like baseball movies growing up? So like Little Big League, uh, Rookie of the Year, all, all those. Was there were those all in the repertoire? Yeah, I, I watched all of them, um, but none even close the to the Sandlot, Sandlot sticks. Yeah, yeah. it just just it's described my childhood. Yeah, you know? it's the best. Yeah, pick it up and going and playing. Uh, what's your favorite sport outside of baseball? I uh, football. Okay, do you have a, do you have a favorite team? Um, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah. Okay. Um, man, I love Alabama. Um, but in my household, we, my dad was from the Midwest, okay. and then we moved, or he moved down to the South. I grew up in Alabama. Um, but he was he was never a fan of a team. Um, Major League, NFL, NBA. Yeah. Like he was always just a fan of players oh, and so coaches. You, all right. So who were some of the players growing up that were that were some of your favorites then? So. I loved, or still. I loved Dustin Pedroia. Oh. He, he was my first probably favorite player. The best. Yeah. Um, you know, just gritty, gritty guy. Um, I'm Tom Brady, a huge Tom Brady fan. So when he went to the Bucks, I was a Bucks fan okay. all of a sudden. So yeah. who else? I mean, those are those are two good ones off the bat. Yeah. Interesting, makes you makes you sort of a New England guy, even though you're you're, yeah. you're a Bama guy. Yeah, I was um, gonna say Larry Bird too. Yes, yeah, so that's funny. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's that's hilarious. Um, if you had to say who the funniest guy on this team was, who would that be? Probably Brian De La Cruz. <laughs> Cracks me yeah, up, bro. Probably De La, yeah. He's so funny. Who, uh, who gets the ox in the locker room? Who's the guy playing the music most of the time? Lazardo. Jesus Lazardo. He's the one yeah. who controls it. Okay. He's got the best mix. Favorite subject when you were in school? Probably science. Um, anatomy in high school sticks out. It was one of my Ooh. favorite classes ever. Do you have any... Um, like projects or anything that you remember from school that that stand out as like oh this this was so much fun when we did that or anything like that if not it's a totally no, not really, off but, blue question but there was there was a uh, one time i'll just tell you this quick story yeah, tell my me. dad loves to tell this story me and my older brother my older brother had a big science project and it was one of those he went up to my dad the night before and said, "Hey, Dad, I have to do this rock sculpture <laughs> the night before." Oh, so like the literal stereotypical, like the I've got like literal. literally from TV show, every TV show yeah. and movies. So my dad was heated, of course. Yeah. But they got it done. Me and my brother went to the bus stop the next morning, and we got in a fight. And I knew, not in like a real fist uh-huh. fight, but we were pushing, yelling. And I knew the one thing that would get him was that rock sculpture, and I smashed it right <laughs> out of his hand. <laughs> And then he had to go home and tell dad, <laughs> tell dad that I that I broke his rock sculpture. And how did that go for you? It went fine for me, to be honest. He was more mad at Storm just because of him telling him the night before. Right. And then Storm was probably picking on me at the bus stop. That's too, so. hilarious. So that, it was probably he picked the fight. I'm sure. That's amazing. Uh, go to meal. Chick Fil A. 
and then finally you mentioned at the top going through your your instagram you seem like a bit of a romantic so what's what's your favorite date you guys have gone on me me and chloe love just a really good steak dinner um and also Utiki Beach in, in Jupiter. Ooh, yeah. Anyone, big shout out to Utiki if anyone's cool. ever in the area. Great, great restaurant. Yeah, all right. There you go. Good to, good to know. Yeah, all right. You. Well, Braxton Garrett, thank you so much for, for taking this time. I took more of your time than I said I would. So thank you for taking the time to join me today on Miami Mic'd Up. All good. Thanks for having me.